Yes, indeed, back here and back with us, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering all those lawn and garden questions here in our Smart Garden Show. Julie, good morning. Hey, Denny, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Long time no talk. I know. How's your fall going so far? Fall is great. I loved hearing, I'm sure folks with dogs who don't like the thunder don't like it, but I sure (laughs) enjoyed seeing and hearing all this rain. Yeah, no kidding. I was like, yeah, all right, this is great. So I was out checking my rain gauge and (laughs) getting all excited. I I did not see any official totals. Uh, I was looking around and and it was kind of scattered. Some mm-hmm. areas with yeah. an inch and a half, some with uh, barely any. Some with Did six. you get a lot yourself at your house? Yeah, we got a decent amount the first. We had four and a half inches Ooh. out here in Mound. Yeah, that first big rain that went on and on. And then I think we got another half inch or three-quarter inch. Uh, I haven't checked it this morning, and we did get a little bit of rain last night. I don't anticipate a ton, but we've been getting a lot out at the Arboretum as well. So that's been helping, especially as we move into fall. I bet you that Arboretum is kind of pretty this time of year. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's got just amazing color. Uh, A lot of fall, late-blooming flowers like asters and some of the helenium. I mean, just really beautiful stuff. And all the squash and pumpkins are out now. Uh, Really a fun time to be there, really decorative. Um, One of the things I want to just call listeners' attention to is also the scarecrows and pumpkins that are popping up out of the grounds. So we, um, as a community at the Arboretum and then also our surrounding community who support us, have put together hay bale scarecrows. I'm doing air quotes at this point. So we've taken, uh, we've kind of adopted a, a hay bale and turned it into some creature, <laughs> some kind of thing. So uh, my team put together a giant s'more. <laughs> a giant s'more. Yeah, we turned it into a huge uh, toasted marshmallow and and uh, created kind of a s'more out of the deal. So people will well, see I, that up on Scarecrow Hill. And I know we'll expand on this, but maybe for folks that don't know and folks that have never been to the Arboretum, yes, uh, give us a quick uh, direction. And I know I can easily said, you know, west on Highway 5 to around 41, you're going to see it off to your right. left there. Right. You do need reservations, so you want to visit our site, arb.umn.edu. It's super easy to do. And you can get those online. You can just save them to your phone or print them out. And then just show them at the gatehouse, show the paper at the gatehouse. It's just got a barcode that they scan. It really helps us to moderate traffic and to make sure people have parking spaces. That's another uh, challenge that we have. We have so many people who come out all throughout the year, but especially in the fall and, and throughout the summer. So do that. And then be sure to visit the the beautiful grounds around the buildings, grab a bite to eat in the eatery, uh, take a look at Scarecrow Hill and, of course, all the gourds and pumpkins. I think there are 300 different kinds of gourds and pumpkins and squash out there today. And, uh, and, and drive three-mile drive. Get out there and visit the farm. That's my favorite place because that's where I office. And the foodscape, which was our uh, work this summer, which is around the Myers Education Center, kind of in the middle of the farm, uh, is really producing a ton of different healthy foods and showing people how to combine edible plants into their into their landscapes around their homes. Excellent. It is such a great resource, great place to hang out. It's fabulous. Uh, 
We'll talk more about that, of course. And as we uh, head to our phone calls and text messages, by the way, any kind of a lawn or garden question, you want to call it in or text it in, 651-461-9226. And pardon me, I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but kudos to the U of M for the apple. Yes, kudos. Our new apple. It isn't in. It isn't available yet, but it will be. Uh, it takes a long time to uh, develop an apple that's commercially available. So kudos is our latest apple. I think it's number twenty nine that the university has released. What what it tastes like? Have you heard the rumors? I've heard it's slightly tart. Uh, very, of course, very crispy. We like our crispy apples yes. in Minnesota. And uh, I have not had a chance to taste it, so I wish I could, but I think they're in quite short supply. <laughs> well, I, uh, it was obviously a busy time. I was, uh, it was the last weekend. I tried, to get, uh, I tried to get into the Apple House, and it was oh, busy, yeah. big And time it's expanded. Busy. I don't know if you know that they added a whole new section to it and made it much larger, so there's a lot more room for more people in there. But the apples are coming fast and furious. Well, I'm going to try to get out there during the week. Uh, that might be a little easier. That'd be great. Uh, okay, let's uh, get back to it now. If uh, Lawn and garden questions, uh, here they come. Uh, oh, my goodness. Is it too late to plant grass seed in Zone 4B? No, it's actually a great time to plant grass seed. Um, you can go ahead and do that. We've had nice, moist weather. So, boy, if you can get out and do it this weekend, that would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, it would really help uh, germinate those seeds or get those seeds into the ground. Um, it's also a good time to treat your broadleaf weeds. Uh, I'm going to jump on the Creeping Charlie question before somebody asks it, but this is a good time because those broadleaf weeds are actively growing. It's called translocation where they're moving nutrients down into their roots to help them uh, make it through the winter. And if we can treat them now, this is a great time to do it because then that means that that pesticide is going to get down into those roots and really do a good job. You can also dig them out, and this is great now that we've had rain because now our soil is diggable and yeah. down into those roots and really do a good job. You can also dig them out, and this is great now that we've had rain because now our soil is diggable and yeah. you can go ahead and start. And if you want to do some hand digging out there, that's also possible too. Listener Julie wants to know, what time of year is best for splitting my hostas and any handy tips uh, for this task? Yeah, so hostas, what a great perennial plant. So many different kinds of hostas. I always think that spring is the best time to split hostas because the plants are very small. You can do it as soon as the spears start sticking up from the soil. They're easy to handle. You can make your divisions and then plant them out. And they have the entire year, the entire summer, to grow and develop and look beautiful. If you do them now, you can certainly do them now in the fall, but they look a bit ragged. If they're very large hostas, they can be very hard to handle. So you can do it either time of year, but I think spring is the best. Okay. Let us grab a phone call, Julie, from Vicki, who is calling in from Blaine, Minnesota, this morning. Thanks, Vicki. What's your question for Julie? Yes, Julie, I'm... Asking a question about oak trees, um, we have about, oh, 10 dead branches that have been there for about three, four years. Is it okay to cut those branches out? You want to wait on your oaks until winter, uh, basically because we have an issue in Minnesota called oak wilt. And mm -hmm. April through July is the most risky time to prune. We never recommend pruning an oak tree during that time. This time of year, it's less risky 
but there's still a certain level of risk. If you can wait until winter, uh, until mm-hmm. after November, that would be the safest time to prune your oaks. All right. Very good. Thanks, Vicki. Appreciate the call. If you uh, want to call in your uh, question or send a text, just one number to remember, 651-461-9226. When, Texter says, is a good time of year to transplant perennials? It depends on the perennial. And we have an excellent uh, web page called Dividing Perennials, which gives you a lot of clues about when you can transplant them. And it is a good time when you transplant them to take a look at them and see if they need division. Not all perennials, you don't divide all perennials because it depends on the root system that they have. And that document can help you out. I think there's 100 plants listed there that gives you more details about that. The best plant, again, it really depends on the plant. For example, you want to you want to transplant your peonies, you know, in August, um, but you want to transplant the hostas like the person that we mentioned, you know, spring is a great time to do that. So look at that document. You can find it at extension.umn.edu, visit yard and garden, and then go to flowers and you'll find dividing perennials. And that is a, it's a wonderful document. It's written by Mayor, uh, by, um, uh, Molly Ferguson, she was a graduate student in our Department of Horticultural Science, went on to be a very, uh, very good, uh, very popular uh, designer. And I think she's living in Hawaii now, <laughs> which is fantastic for her. But uh, she really put a lot of thought into that document. So it's a really good, um, really good uh, thing to hang on to. And where can we find it? extension.umn.edu, visit Yard and Garden, and go to Flowers and look for Dividing Perennials. We'll mention that, of course, website uh, again before this hour is up. Julie, hang on. We'll take a bit of a break here and be uh, right back. I can tell you that the uh, temperature reading in the Twin Cities has moved to 69 degrees. We're heading to near 83 today. We could hit 86 tomorrow. But by Friday, the end of the week, along with a small chance of showers, our daytime high will be about 57 degrees. But in the meantime, we have a few warm days coming along here as we head into October. This today is the last day of the month of September. Stay with us on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M answering those Smart Garden questions. Lawn and Garden Talk right up until 9 o'clock this morning. And uh, as usual, Julie, we have tons <laughs> of phones and uh, texts. Awesome. Let me grab a phone or a text uh, before we get to the phone. Uh, here's one that was in earlier today. When, when can I prune out the dead wood from my spireas? And then when can you prune back the healthy part? It depends on the type of spirea. So we have spring blooming spirea, and those can be pruned right after they bloom. Uh, and then we also have summer blooming spirea, and they can be pruned in the uh, early spring so that they're going to grow a new growth that's going to be the source of the flowers in the summer, whereas the spring blooming spirea put their buds on as soon as they're done blooming. Uh, or a couple weeks after they're done blooming, so in the summertime for the following year. I don't know if that makes much sense. I hope it does. But so for the caller, you want to determine, are these spring blooming spireas? And if so, you can prune those after they bloom next spring. You can take the dead wood out anytime. Uh, And uh, if they are summer blooming, 
spireas, then you would wait and prune those. You could prune those in the spring after, uh, before they start to uh, open up their leaves. Okay, very good. That makes sense? It makes sense. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go to Worthington. I think Ed has been waiting there to ask you a question. Ed, good morning. What's your question for Julie? Yeah, um, I had a master gardener identify a weed as in pigweed. Uh, he did not know if it was an annual or a perennial and what spray would be effective for that pigweed. So pigweed is an annual weed, and you can tell pigweed because it looks like uh, it's in the amaranth family, and it has kind of a pink stem, kind of a fuchsia-colored stem, pretty distinctive. So you can just pull it out, and uh, or you can use a pre-emergent in the spring if you've had a lot of issues with pigweed, and that would uh, prevent the seeds from the pigweed from germinating. So a pre-emergent in the spring would be great to put down. Um, and, uh, and also you can just, uh, pull it out pretty easily okay. at this point. I bet you get a lot of questions about this particular topic. <laughs> After the rain, Texter says, I have dozens of white mushrooms in the grass. Oh, what can you do with them? Yeah, there's not much to do about them. They grow from a mycelium that's underground, kind of this webby, uh, a source of the plants. And you're looking at actually the, the mushrooms themselves are the fruiting bodies of that. So there's not much to do. You can't treat them. Uh, you can't dig them up, but you can just mow them over or kick them over. That's what I like to do. I kind of practice my kicking uh, and just <laughs> kick them over, and hopefully that will reduce the spores that are in the environment. But there's not much to do about them. There are, there are reason, the reason that they're there is, is your, your lawn is too wet, and we've had lots of issues with mushrooms this year because we've had these extreme rains that come and kind of getting dumped on all at once. And that causes those mushrooms to then fruit, and that's what you're seeing. So um, not much to do about them. They're kind of a weird, uh, cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to the phones we go, Julie. Carol calling in this morning from Minnetonka with a question. Uh, Carol, thanks for waiting. What is your question for Julie? Hi, Julie. I had beautiful zinnias this year, and a friend of mine told me there's a way to extract the seeds or something for next mm -hmm. year? How would I go about doing that? Yeah, boys, my zinnias were great too. We have a demonstration garden that's at a nearby senior living uh, community. And it, they were beautiful. My friend Ruth Bauer and I uh, put those together. She's a master gardener. Man, it was awesome. So yes, zinnias, they're wonderful. So you can uh, wait till the seed heads, uh, the flower heads have died back and are tan colored, all brown and dry, and then cut those off and save them in a paper bag so they stay dry. Put them someplace where they won't get moldy or wet. Uh, make sure that they're completely dry when you put them away so you leave them out to, to dry a little bit. That's the, that's the trick with seeds is you want to be sure that you don't have wet plant material that you're that you're tucking away for next year. So let them dry, and then you can just extract those seeds. You can just pull them off. In fact, if you shake the flower heads, they'll sometimes just fall out of the flowers. Okay. Tell you what, I know in a moment or two we need to uh, look at that forecast. But right now let's grab another phone call. I think Sharon's calling in from Eden Prairie this uh, very morning. Sharon, thank you. What is your question? Well, good morning. I'm multitasking. I'm watching the writer. <laughs> into my favorite garden show. Um, I, I overseed it. 
on and it's coming up great. It's about Good. two inches. And now I want to winterize. Can I do that tomorrow? When put my winterization down? Uh, I I think you can. I'm not sure if your winterization. This is a winterizing fertilizer for lawns for people who are listening. And uh, our caller is talking about she overseeded her lawn, which was a great thing to do. And uh, that will help to really promote a lush, thick lawn next year. But now she's wondering about putting down winterizing fertilizer. And you, I believe you can do that. You just want to be sure there's no pre-emergent that's in there. Well, your seed has already emerged. So, yes, you can probably go ahead and do that now. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing do the math that in my I head here. Weed and, <laughs> I don't have a weed and feed. It's just a fall fertilizer. So I'm going to mm-hmm. do that too. However, yeah. with a huge coating of acorns, I'm not sure. I think yeah. first things first, you got you can't leave those uh, acorns on there, at least not a ton of them, right? Yeah, I got to rake those up. Yeah, that's been a big question. I've had lots of people talk about the acorns that they've gotten this year, um, nuts in general. And, and sometimes that's caused by something called masting where a plant is under uh, some kind of environmental stress. And it, so it feels like I've got to produce my progeny for my, you know, the future. So they produce a ton of seed. And seed, being the acorns in this case, uh, really are prolific. And, and uh, we've had a lot of stressful summers. So we've seen that in lots of cases with everything from maple trees to acorns on oaks, uh, black walnuts, um, so, yeah, and that's hard with acorns. They're so small because you have to then rake them up. Black walnuts yeah. are a little bit bigger, but, um, yeah, boy, lots of acorns. Not fun. All right. Not fun. That leads Hang to lots on, of Julie. squirrels, I we'll, bet. We'll take a break for uh, weather coming up and then about another half hour of the Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you, Denny Long, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, answering those lawn and garden questions on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, let's see. We have callers, Julie. We have texters. Let's uh, let's oh, grab a awesome. phone call or two, and then we'll uh, we'll grab a bunch of texts. Grace calling in from Hugo this morning. Thank you for waiting, Grace. What is your uh, question? Well, I don't know if Julie's got time for three questions. I'll try to be brief. <laughs> So, um, Julie, talking about brain briefly, we got like about a 70-mile-an-hour rhythm this morning sometime. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I think within a week we've had seven inches here, which is wonderful. So my gardening question is, uh, i got a pagoda dogwood, and it's, you know, kind of tree form. It's, it has the golden caker. Um, okay. You know, I cut it back, and it, it, I think it's dead. It's going to die. Now, right. can I plant another one in that same area, or don't you advise it? I think I'd switch trees. Um, I'm not super familiar with the golden canker. I've learned a little bit about it from Aaron Bukholz, who's our plant health specialist at the Arboretum. And we do have some good information on extension.umn.edu about it. But I think I'd avoid that. Um, canker is a, it's a fungal disease, I believe. Uh, is it fungal or bacteria? Either way, I do not uh, recommend planting another one there. You might want to choose another type of small tree, maybe a, um, 
if it's something that, uh, depending on the amount of light, if you want to choose one of the smaller crabs or maybe one of the smaller magnolias. Um, I know that pagoda dogwood is a beautiful tree. It's just a really unique tree. And did we cover and all the <laughs> Did we get all, all the, the questions? I think we did. I think we, okay. Oh, oh, oh wait, there she wait, goes. Julie, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Hosta. Okay, Hosta. I had this discussion with somebody that, a hosta grower. If you touch the plant without any juices, can you transfer the virus or do you have to have the juices? Say the stem is dry. Okay. And you're in there with your pruners. Well, that's probably a not thing, good thing, because you're going to get juice. Right. You know, for the, the I don't know, whatever that is. The virus hosta X. Yeah, virus hosta yeah, X. Yes, yes. Hosta virus X. Yeah. Can you transfer it even though you're touching the plant and it's dry and you touch and it has the virus? Can you transfer it to another virus? I mean, hosta or, or you know what I mean? I th- yeah, I think that you would have to have uh, made like a cut on a virus uh, or on a hosta. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not well versed in it. I haven't read about it for quite a while. Uh, it, you're the first question I've had in a long, long time about hosta virus X. So viruses have no no cure, and the best thing to do is remove the hosta. So I I'm not sure if that could be transferred. Um, by roots, or if it can be transferred by pollen, or if it can be transferred solely by uh, cutting it and transferring, you know, from fresh cut to fresh cut kind of thing. Um, So I think the best thing to do for any virus, uh, any plant that has a virus is to remove it and dispose of it. Um, But I'm not sure how it actually will. I think it would transfers mostly through feeding, insect feeding also. That's how aster yellows are, are transported from plant to plant. So, um, yeah, I think that the best thing to do is remove the plant. Okay. Moving on to Ken in Egan. Ken, what is your question for Julie this morning? Hello. Uh, I'm, I use fertilizer with pre-emergent at most springs or every spring. But okay. I'm wondering... Besides crabgrass, which is why I apply it, does that pre-emergent, I guess, herbicide also kill other weed seeds? It will kill any seeds at all. So it will, uh, and it's not that it kills it, it just prevents the seeds from germinating. So it will, um, it'll make them kind of defunct, so to speak. So whether it's a weed seed or a flower seed or a grass seed, it will prevent those seeds from germinating. It's yeah. it's kind of non-selective. So don't don't uh, overseed your lawn and then put a, right. a pre-emergent in. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's grab one more call, then we'll pick up on a whole bunch of text messages. Tom's okay. calling in. I believe he's still there from uh, Minnetonka. Tom, are you still there? What's your question? No. Might Are you there, Tom? Gone to get a cup of coffee. He did. I don't blame him. I think I'll do the same <laughs> thing in a little bit. Uh, let's, uh, as I said, a ton of uh, of, of questions via okay. text. Uh, I have a texter says a poinsettia plant that has grown outside all summer. It's beautiful. So I'm wondering if I should try getting it to quote bloom for Christmas. Yeah, you can try. You can look at our poinsettia page, and that explains how to how to put that plant in the dark for so many hours per day 
to change those bracts. Those are the what we would call the blooms uh, to change those to a red or pink or whatever color type that you have. So take a look at that web page. It's under our house plant section uh, on extension.umn.edu yard and garden. Okay. Is it too late, Texture says, to put my tulip bulbs in and how deep do they get planted? No, you can still plant tulip bulbs. I have yet to plant my garlic. I plant that after the first frost. Uh, they usually, tulip bulbs are usually pretty deep, at least six inches, maybe a little bit more. They should say on the packet. It depends on the type of tulip bulb that you have. Okay. This uh, listener texted in this, I have some mature and tall arborvitae at the end of last winter. Some of my shrubs, 15 to 18 feet tall, really wilted over due to the wet, heavy snow. The shrubs have survived, but a few of them are have not straightened up on their own. What's the best way to get them to go straight up again, and what is the best time of year to uh, trim them? Okay, so arborvitae, they can actually be pruned several times a year. And you can do what's called a loose shear, where you, you take a shear, hand, manual or electric, and you just knock off the newest growth, and you help to kind of just bring that plant into the right shape. If you have these branches that are that have been bent over the whole summer, you can take a look at those and see if there's an opportunity somewhere on that uh, to take it down, to remove that part of it without creating this huge hole in your arborvitae. The other thing people sometimes will do is they will uh, they will try to tie it, tie the branches together. Um, that's kind of a short-term solution because ultimately you may be, you may be girdling the branches, which might kill them, and it doesn't look so good either. Um, so if you can somehow get, if you can somehow do some pruning to remove those branches that are really bent over, it kind of depends on how bad it is too. Uh, it may be also indicative that your plant is getting a little bit tall and you want to start kind of heading it back. Okay. Here's a turf uh, question, Julie. Would it be okay to overseed now and then dormant seed later in the season? You could overseed now. I think if John were on, he would say to wait until dormant season uh, or to, until November when we can do dormant seeding. And then also he does something called, I think it's called frost seeding, and he seeds in the late winter when there's no snow on the ground but the soil hasn't quite thought out yet. He does seeding then too. He's t- I've, t- I've tried to get him to write an article about it because it's a really fascinating thing. But the freeze-thaw cycle of that soil, that moisture that you get in the spring in your, in your soil helps to really create a good germination and a good soil to seed contact. So you could, we do have a page on dormant seeding, and I'm going to try to get him to write one about frost seeding. Well, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Julie, this listener says uh, that they're preparing... Their site to transplant the hydrangeas. What is, or rather, when is the best time to dig them up and put them in their new spot? I could, you could do that right now. Uh, it's a little awkward. Otherwise, you could wait until spring. How do you get rid, Texter says, of trees that have sprouted in shrubbery that can <laughs> no, not longer be pulled out? Oh, you, well, you can. You should really pull them out. That's the best thing to do. If they're really tangled in a shrub, then if you can get down to the base of that tree, I'm guessing like a box elder maybe, or maybe it's a black walnut. Those are really uh, prolific in my uh, neck of the woods. Um, You could cut them off and you could take very gently and carefully uh, some kind of a a non-selective herbicide or a brush killer and just dab the stump that you have cut off without touching anything else. 
around it. And that would kill that root that's left in the ground. Julie, before we head to a quick break, uh, I understand, you'll have to clarify this, that uh, the group, your group, the Abiders, are playing at a benefit. Now, when is that? When and where? We are. We're actually playing today. It's just me and Carl, so uh, we're going to be playing. Yeah, it's it's the dynamic duo today. We're playing at a benefit for Prairie Star Care Farm. This is a, a farm in Princeton that uh, is a place for people to recuperate or feel uh, connected to nature or animal therapy um, to really uh, kind of deal with maybe some uh, mental health issues that they've had and then also to uh, kind of connect with with nature and connect with animals uh, and to kind of get out of the riffraff of daily life. So uh, you can look at that at Prairie Care, Prairie Star Care to kind of get out of the riffraff of daily life. So uh, you can look at that at prairiestarcarefarm.org, I believe it is, uh, and take a look at uh, their fall festival. It's happening today. It starts in, at noon and goes till about 5 o'clock. It's their first fundraiser, so this is really exciting. And um, uh, Jeannie Larson and her husband are owners of this century uh, four-generation farm. Oh, neat. Up in Princeton. Yeah, very cool. Looking at the forecast, Julie, you and Carl should have good weather. Yeah, Yeah, a little bit warm, but we'll be good. We play from one till two. And then we have two other acts that are after us. Oh, beautiful. Great day. Pretty cool. Well, hang on, Julie. We'll uh, take this break. Be right back on the other side with more Smart Garden. Uh, Here in the Twin Cities, the official uh, Twin City temperature reading, 69 degrees. From News Talk 830, this is WCCO. And we're back with the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden show every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is answering those particular lawn and garden questions today, both by phone and by text. Speaking of text, Julie, there's only about a million left (laughs) here. Uh, Here's one of them. Should endless summer hydrangeas be cut back this time of year? They should be cut back in the spring. And uh, and so you can leave the flower heads on through the winter, gives you something to look at during the winter uh, months, and then trim them back in the spring. They're gonna they're gonna bloom on both uh, last year's growth and new growth that's coming up in the spring. Okay, this listener would like to plant a candy crush hibiscus. How big do they grow? Are they suited for our growing zone? And should I plant now or in the spring? I'm guessing this is a perennial hibiscus, so they are suited for our growth, our, our zone. So just double-check it's zone 4 or zone 3 or 5, whatever zone you're in. And uh, you would want to plant those uh, either right now for next spring or plant them in the spring. All right. This texture says, <laughs> happy rain, exclamation Woo-hoo! point. Uh, texture says, I have a wild clematis planted in a very dumb spot. Uh, It took about four years to start growing, and I about gave up on it, but now it's crazy. When and how can I move it? Oh, boy. That's tough because they've had four years where they've had to kind of suffer with it. Uh, I would also move that in the spring as well. Uh, Remember that when you move these plants in the spring, they have the opportunity to kind of recover and reestablish through the entire growing season next year. And they're also smaller. 
Here's uh, what I think is a good question that comes from Aaron. My, uh, my <laughs> question is, how late in the fall can I transplant trees, or what's the peak window of the time to do it? It is, uh, I would say that the peak time is now. Um, and we're getting toward the end of that. And the reason for that is you want to give the plants enough time for their roots to get established uh, or to start to establish, kind of recover from transplant stress before we move into the winter. So trees take longer to reestablish once you transplant them. Same with shrubs because they're woody plants. They have bigger, more complex root systems. So the sooner you can do them is better. Again, if you can wait and transplant in the spring, you give that plant the entire season to recover and reestablish their roots. But if you're transplanting perennials now, uh, this is a good time to do them. But don't wait too long because then you're putting the plant into some pretty tough conditions. Another tree question, Julie, is oak an option to plant or is, are there just too many issues with oak? No, oaks are great. And there's many kinds of oaks. There's our, our uh, large macrophylla, uh, or I think, I think I got that wrong. I'm not sure. But the bur oaks, there's also our white swamp oaks, uh, red oaks. Uh, there's lots of great oaks out there, and I recommend that you take a look. Visit with your garden center. Go to your local garden center or nursery. Talk with them about different oaks that are available and some of the best ones for your uh, needs in your particular landscape. Julie, this listener wants to know what the best time might be to put dry manure on rhubarb and asparagus. Dry manure on rhubarb and asparagus. I th I think you could do that now. Um, it's probably not going to, uh, you might want to even just wait a little bit longer, but you could work it into the soil or, or apply it to the soil now or wait until wait until spring to do it when the plants are starting to actively grow. Well, we've got a bunch of tree questions uh, coming up here. Uh, two <laughs> pear trees, the uh, listener says, they were absolutely loaded with fruit this year, so much fruit that branches were breaking off. When a mm. friend was helping pick, she said, we really need to prune the trees. When right. should that be done? So uh, fruit trees like pear trees and apple trees should be pruned in the winter. And you want to do that when the plant, because the plants are dormant at that time and they're less likely to be affected by any kind of pest or uh, disease or uh, bacterial or fungal spores that are out in the environment because it's winter. So wait and do that probably around March would be a good time. Uh, I wouldn't go any later than the end of March. Okay. This listener said, we just lost a large ash tree in the recent storms. Because of the boar ash, are there restrictions to how it needs to be disposed of? Can we burn it? Can it be taken to a waste site uh, for such stuff? You yeah, can that's a good question. Yeah, you can certainly burn it. You do not want to transport it. And uh -huh. uh, that is the biggest way that the emerald ash borer has been moved around is by us. <laughs> so you can burn it. You can have it, uh, you know, dried and you can dry it and split it and use it in your bonfire. Um, you can also uh, contact a certified uh, tree care company and ask them about uh, moving it to a location where it would be managed properly. But in most cases, when you have, uh, if it's definitely had the emerald ash borer in it, you would want to use that or, or take care of it on your own property, not move it around. Definitely Hi, not outside of a county that has emerald ash borer. A couple of minutes to go in the show, Julie. Uh, someone told me, Texter says, I can mix ashes from a wood stove with water and use that for fertilizer for houseplants. Is that true? 
Uh, no, I would never do that. Um, that is pure lime. That's just lime. It's very alkaline. And houseplants are not plants usually that need that in their soil. It can also really make your soil funky. So uh, it can change the soil pH significantly, especially in houseplants because they're in containers. I would not do that. Okay. Uh, love your show. Thank you. Based on the warm weather we're having this fall, when is a good time to start the process of moving my two hibiscus trees indoors? You can do that almost any time. Uh, you don't want to wait until we get a, a cold, cold night, and we look like we have some cold temperatures coming up. So I'd probably move those in this weekend. It'd be a good time to look them over, maybe transplant them if they need to be in bigger pots, uh, clean up the soil, uh, prune them back. Uh, hibiscus in particular, the tropical hibiscus, do really well being pruned back. And uh, they will leaf back out. They will, they're probably full of buds. They also flower in the house at this time, too. Be prepared that, that house plants, when they get moved in, particularly hibiscus, are going to drop a lot of leaves. They just do that in reaction to the change of growing environment. Don't be af- alarmed by it. It's kind of messy. You've got to clean it up. But they will leaf back out. Okay. We are just about out of time. Seconds to go. Julie, don't forget, uh, we remind our listeners, extension.umn.edu. And you yes. and Carl will be playing where and we when are, today? We are going to be playing at Prairie Star Care Farm. That You can buy tickets for their fall festival. This is a fundraiser. They are a, a destination programming with opportunities for people to seek restorative experience of right. a farm. And it is at prairiecarestarfarm.com. Very good. Julie, great. Break a leg and say hi to Carl, and we'll talk soon, huh? Thanks, Denny. Thank you. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Get those home improvement questions ready for Andy next hour here on 830 WCCO.